Hello and welcome to another NL full-time podcast. I'm Rob Worrell. We're going to flip it a bit this week and we're going to start with uh, the National League North and the National League South. But I'm delighted to say um, we've got our two most regular uh, NL full-time pundits with us today. Um, Off the line blogs, Joe Pope. Hi, Joe. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me again. Nice to be on and talk something other than talkie. Well, you'll soon be on Torquay, don't you worry about that. <laughs> um, and uh, also, uh, a hello to uh, uh, the gentleman who's, I think we've now seen the background listeners to every room in his house or his mother's <laughs> house. Uh, good, yeah. good, good afternoon, Dickie Wharton, Richard Wharton. Good afternoon, Rob, and good afternoon, Joe. Yeah, I was going to say, this is actually my house. This is just a series of backdrops I bought behind me <laughs> to make me look like I live somewhere um, yeah. halfway tidy, but no, no. Um, yeah, nice to see you again. Yeah, you could have you could have gone for somewhere more exotic, Dickie. <laughs> I could have done, yeah, the selection of family photographs behind me is probably, you know, a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> all right, let's get down to business. Um, no cup competitions at all to talk about this week, but we are going to blend something into our usual review. Um, and that is uh, just picking out a few of the uh, more interesting uh, eye-catching incomings and outgoings from the various three uh, National League divisions um, over predominantly January. Of course, uh, a number of moves uh, on, in February too, on the 1st of February, as the deadline was extended by one day. So we'll sort of cover that a little bit in detail, but we'll also mention it as we go through the podcast. We're going to start with the National League North, Dickie. So you Top honours. First up, I'm sure Joe will be chipping in as well. Um, do you want to start with uh, um, a little bit of differential in the battle at the top of the league or one of the uh, main outgoings or incomings involving the National League? Uh, oh, oh we'll st- uh, let's start with the action, I think. Let's start with what's going on in the league because, um, yeah, Scunthorpe and Tamworth uh, resumed hostilities again and, and of course they went face to face with one or another in midweek um, at Glanford Park in a, a game that was I, I'm not sure in terms of a spectacle it necessarily lived up to the billing of being a top of the table clash but how often do games like that live up to that kind of billing um, yeah and it was the Lambs who came away with a very hard earned 1-0 win at Scunthorpe um, helped to a certain extent by the dismissal uh, sorry dismissal uh, put me dentures in <laughs> the dismissal of Tyler Denton after 53 minutes for uh, denial of a clear goal scoring opportunity I think he pulled Nathan Shakuna back on the edge of the penalty area um, and yes yeah, Scunthorpe at that point down to 10 men um, they were close to hanging on, but not close enough. And Dan Craney turned into uh, an empty net on 78 minutes to put Tamworth um, 12 points clear at the top of the division uh, as a result of that one. Now, um, obviously, they were both in action yesterday um, and the gap did close a little bit yesterday. Uh, there was a 2-0 win for Scunthorpe uh, over Rushall Olympic yesterday, which you know, perhaps an expected result. There was a dismissal in that one for Rico Brown of Rushall, which didn't help their cause. He was sent off after 61 minutes. Once again, Rushall so close to getting something, but Danny Elliott in the 90th minute and then Dion Sembi-Ferris in the 7th minute of added time. Sembi-Ferris has returned to them after a loan spell at Peter Sports, his old club, um, and has been performing well by all accounts. Um, that did close the gap because Tamworth were only able to get a goalless draw away at Alfreton. I say only. Um, getting a point away at Alfreton is never a bad result given um, the, the durability that, that Billy Heath's teams have. But 
I think we're going to see this between now and the end of the season. Now, Scunthorpe have got two games in hand on Tamworth, but I think there'll be a little bit of, you know, one side extending the gap, the other side cutting it. Um, it's going to be a fascinating battle. And um, bring us up to speed, really. I know you, you'll be pointing out a few of the key moves, um, but in terms of that battle for the title and the uh, um, automatic promotion, um, which, if any, of uh, which, if either, sorry, of Tamworth and Scunthorpe really flexed their muscles um, over the last few weeks to strengthen? Um, well, neither very much that I can spot. I mean, say, you say um, t- Scunthorpe recalled uh, Sembi Ferris from his loan. Um, and he's gone straight back into the team there. He wasn't really close to being involved. Um, Tamworth did lose Jamie Jealous over the uh, period of the transfer window as well, which was a blow to them. We say a blow. Um, they've just conceded, or they've just recorded a seventh consecutive clean sheet in a row, some record for their goalkeeper, Jazz Singh, and his defence. Um, and it looks as if Andy Peaks hasn't necessarily taken um, the view that he needs to dive in and do anything too differently to his squad so he's sticking with what he's got um for now and we know Scunthorpe have got a, a big squad anyway so it looks as if Jimmy Dean is looking t- to do the same thing and, and and just use the resources he's already got rather than um trying to bring anybody in possible podcast title for this week sing when you're singing <laughs> <laughs> and Joe uh, just coming to you as well uh you know watching that title chase from afar any thoughts on uh, how it might go? Obviously, Tamworth uh, are in pole position. Yeah, I, I think the, all the pressure's um, on Scunthorpe, actually. I think most people expected Scunthorpe to run away with the league. Um, obviously, nothing's a foregone conclusion before the start. Um, and even though they're in second, I think there is the pressure on them that they can still turn it around. But as uh, as we've talked about, Andy Peake's done a fantastic job at Tamworth. Um, and... Yeah, my pick would be Tamworth at this point. I think they just, you know, there's a real value in just being really difficult to beat and grinding out wins, and that's what they seem to do. In terms of the chase impact, well, uh, two of the teams in third to fifth place uh, could only draw on Saturday. The other one, Brackley, won. Uh, you want to touch on that as a little group, if you like, Dickie? Um, Scarborough and Chester's draw um, and uh, Brackley's win. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, yes, uh, Scarborough. Um, I say in action yesterday and uh, they uh, got a 1-1 one, one draw at home with South Shields, which I imagine would be a disappointing result for them. Again, given recent form, Scarborough's recent form is very good. I think there's, um, there was a loss at Banbury last weekend, but it'd been fairly good up to then. Um, but yeah, they uh, were trailed to a Paul Blackett goal. I know a player that, that Joe has a lot of time for um, in the 32nd minute. They did equalise through Alex Brown, in the uh, 46th minute of the game, but it stayed at one apiece. Um, Scarborough are one of the teams that have, have tried to make a few moves to, to strengthen in uh, this window as well, aren't they, Joe? Yeah, um, brought a couple of players in. Um, I believe they've extended uh, Aidan Rutledge's deal uh, to the end of the season, which is massive for them. Uh, really good strike that I've talked about before. Um, they've also brought in Ollie Dyson, obviously, that we've seen with England C. Um, and one player who um, don't really know what's happened with him this year because he's still a very good player in Jasim Suka uh, that was at Darlington. And I think Darlington fans were a little bit perplexed that they managed to leave, uh, let him leave. Um but, uh, yeah, some really good uh, additions for Scarborough, who are already strong. Yeah, mentioning Darlington there, Joe, you could, couldn't have queued me up better that one. It was uh, Darlington who were uh, uh, fell victim to Brackley Town yesterday, a 1-0 
win for Brackley, a Danny Newton penalty in the 16th minute, which keeps them um, very safely and securely tucked in the playoff positions. I think that's six wins in their last seven for Brackley as well, and the other one being a draw. So they're unbeaten in seven. After having a little bit of a wobble, they did have three consecutive defeats to start the year, uh, but they seem to have corrected that when we look at Darlington and uh, it's not looking great for them now. You know, they're in, they're, there's an awful lot of points to make up. Um, perhaps the thinking you've said there with the, with Sukar going is that perhaps you have to sometimes give up something to get something back in that, you know, he, he perhaps freed up more money in the wage bill that, that Steve Watson feels he can use better elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. There is a, a feeling of deck chairs on the Titanic about Darlington at the moment, I'm afraid. Yeah, and uh, looking at the other playoff places, uh, the sixth and seventh teams are Hereford and Boston. They both had comfortable home wins on Saturday. And I think there was a hat-trick in one of them. Yes, there was indeed. Hereford needed to bounce back, actually. Hereford had uh, a defeat in midweek, um, going down at home, rather surprisingly, to, once again, South Shields. Uh, and, yeah, Blackett was on target again. He got the second goal in that victory. There was a goal from Courtney Clark to open the scoring. It was 2-0 at half-time. Uh, Jed Abbey, a player I know from his time at FC Telford United, he scored the third uh, quite early in the second half, and that seemed like quite a comfortable victory for South Shields, particularly when you, again, think of the distance involved there on a Tuesday evening in late January. That's not a great trip. But yeah, Hereford bounced back from that yesterday um, with a 5 2 victory. It was Jason Cowley. Um, I think he's been suspended recently. I think he got a red card in a recent game, and he's been absent from that side. And he is a big miss for Hereford because he absolutely knows how to find the net. Um, Alex Babos got them um, on the mark yesterday. Ollie Thompson equalised but then Cowley took over a straight hat-trick in the second minute of injury time the other first half. Then goals in the 59th and 72nd minute. Nicky Devadich did get a penalty to cut the deficit for Blythe but then Andy Williams a player who was at Hereford a long time ago and has returned to them. He got the fifth goal in the 82nd minute and yeah a, a very a great day for Hereford that one and a really long trip back home for Blythe with nothing to show for it. Yeah, absolutely. Just flipping our attentions to the other end of the league. You mentioned Darlington's defeat. Uh, Bishop Stortford, well beaten uh, away from home again. And uh, they surely now, 15 points off it, are doomed to relegation uh, and one they might well embrace, as we covered a few weeks ago. Um, What about the other teams towards the bottom there? The other two in the bottom four, Gloucester and Southport, how did they fare? Yeah, well, uh, Gloucester, um, they uh, suffered a 2-1 defeat at home by Kings Lynn. Kings Lynn are a team, again, we've spoken about this January window and teams making moves, and Kings Lynn are one of the teams uh, backed by a bit of additional investment that's coming from Singapore, I believe. Um, they've gone out and acquired the services of the leading scorer in the Northern Premier League, Johnny Margitz. He came in from Matlock. He got his first goal for Lynn yesterday, uh, the second goal in a 2-1 win at Gloucester. The first one came from Owen Devonport. Margit's gun scored in the 72nd minute. There was a goal uh, in that one for Theo Robinson in injury time at the end of the second half for Gloucester, but uh, merely a consolation for them, um, I'm afraid there. Yeah, looking at uh, the other teams towards the bottom there. Yeah, Southport, they uh, dropped back into the bottom four, having looked like they were getting out of trouble when Jim Bentley came in. They they were struggling heavily when Bentley took the helm and, and uh, there was a real new manager bounce. Um, but that's disappeared rather and uh, they went down to a 3-0 uh, defeat yesterday. There was a goal from Jai Rowe in the first half for Boston. Jacob Hazel, he's been a really good acquisition for 
for him. He's another player that Darlington fans can't quite understand why they've let him go. But he has gone. He scored the second goal. David Morgan, the Southport captain, he's returned to the club after a spell away at Accrington Stanley. I think he's got a coaching role there as well. Um, I'm led to believe it was a, a rather an uncaptain-like sending off for him yesterday, not exactly leading by example. And then there was a goal from Keziah Martin. He came on board at Boston from Kidderminster. He added the third goal, the icing on the cake, in the 92nd minute. And yeah, um, Southport starting to slip back into trouble again there. And they're going to need, well, I mean, they can't sack another manager. They're going to have to find some bounce from somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, Spenny Moore, uh, are just a point clear of the relegation zone. Uh, they could only draw nil-nil at home to Peterborough Sports, who sit five points clear in a little bit more comfortable position. And you talked in recent weeks about Buxton's almost desperation for a win, Dickie. What a tremendous win for them away from home against uh, Curzon Ashton, who've been uh, moving along quite nicely of late. Yeah, that is a that was a really unexpected result. Um, yesterday, Buxton again. I think they've had to. They've been shuffling the pack a little bit recently. Um, I know they brought on board um, a new fullback in Adam Livingston, who was at Hereford earlier in the season. I don't think he's been getting the game time. Um, and Hereford, having made moves in that direction themselves, they brought on board Lewis Hudson um, from Rushall Olympic at fullback. Um, Rushall have suffered a little bit in this window, having lost uh, both him. And their leading scorer to Southend United, Danny Waldron, as well um, in the window. So two big blows for them. They have brought on board uh, Owen Osaini from uh, Derby County on loan. He scored a lot of goals at Nuneaton Borough earlier in the season at step three. But um, Nuneaton, unfortunately, no longer exist. So uh, in order to loan him out, I think they've wanted to get him out to a step two club. I think he proved himself at step three. So they're hoping that he can fill that gap from Waldron until the summer. Um, but yeah, coming back to Buxton and that result they got yesterday, that is a really, really good win for them and a much needed one um, and a very unexpected one, given how the, the form that Kurz National have been in. But there were two goals for Sam Osborne, penalty for Jack McCourt in between those. And Curzon had Marcus Poscher sent off as well in the 60th minute, only a goal down at that point. So that looked like it proved terminal for them. And yeah, those two further goals after that made it a comfortable afternoon for Buxton. Yeah, we mentioned Bishop Stortford's defeat. That was at the hands of Farsley Celtic, who won by three goals to one. Uh, and they sit nine points clear of trouble at this stage. So that's a much better season for them. And in fact, they're nearer the playoff positions than they are at the bottom positions. And just the one other game to cover in the National League North, uh, Dickey. Uh, and that was uh, between uh, Warrington and Chorley. Warrington, so impressive in their first season at this level. How did that one go? Yeah, this finished in a 2-1 uh, home victory for Warrington, which, as you say, uh, another great result for them. Chorley have been in good form recently, but there were goals in that one for Connor Woods and Isaac Buckley. I think he might be Isaac Buckley Ricketts, you might hear him referred to as as well. Only Shanton did get a goal back for them, but Buckley Ricketts particularly, I think he's been on fire recently, um, really finding the target regularly for them. Um, and that's a big, uh, big Big result for Warrington, that one. I think there was a victory for Chorley in midweek, and I think they won by three goals to two at home. I can't quite remember who that one came against. Um, so, 
Chorley aren't too far away from it. And I think their, their defeat that they had recently did come at home to Chester, which I wouldn't say unexpected, but Chester, again, are another one of the contenders that are up there at the top of the table. So, um, yeah, uh, Alfreton. They beat Alfreton in midweek. There we go. So, uh, yeah, they're not too far away from it. But I think I think we're seeing a real solidification of the teams that are now expecting or or you could reasonably expect to be in the playoffs and the ones who are going to be in the relegation zone. Yeah, and a little early uh, with still sort of something teen matches left in, in all the leagues for most clubs to talk about who might be coming into the National League next year. But I just wanted to acknowledge really, admittedly on after a bad result, but uh, you, you'll be hoping Telford can make it back to the National League North next season, of course. Um, and uh, a very long unbeaten run uh, came to an end yesterday, didn't it, for Telford? But did they, they manage 15 or 16 games unbeaten uh... until they- well, it, technically, I think it would be 17, but then the demise of Nuneaton Borough potentially takes one out of that, so 16. So, yeah, um, they're in, still in contention for a playoff place, but I have to say um, the teams in the Southern Central looking most likely to go up at the moment are Redditch United, who are having a terrific season, um, and Needham Market, who defeated Telford yesterday. They are unbeaten at, at, at home all season um, and looked a pretty strong outfit yesterday. Um, so they look the most likely contenders to to be joining National League North from the Southern Central at the moment. But obviously, there are a number of clubs in there, Telford being one of them, who hope they can shake that up. And being based in Cambridgeshire, of course, I'd be a lot nearer to Needham Market than you if they come up. So um, <laughs> I believe that's a ground that I played at once in, you know, many moons ago, a different lifetime ago. Um, but uh, yeah, good I- luck to those teams looking to uh, win a place in the National League North and South next year. Joe, just before we flip and uh, give you top billing for the National League South, any other comments you had on the National League North or any other moves or transfers in or out you wanted to mention? Yeah, just uh, one for Kingsland, which particularly uh, took my interest, was Greg Taylor. Um, obviously signed for Woking in the summer. I didn't really get an opportunity with the cards, um, but he joins Kingsland and actually uh, reunites with his former central defensive partner uh, in Mike, in uh, Coulson. Um, they've I've done the maths. They've done 685 games in the Football League just at Cambridge to playing alongside each other. So uh, you would imagine that if Kingsling can get out of trouble, then their partnership will be uh, really important. Good stuff. Right, flipping our attention then to the National League South and talking of long unbeaten runs. Another one's come to an end, hasn't it, uh, Joe? The big game in the National League South. Maidstone fresh from FA Cup success against Yeovil. And in terms of a big occasion, after such a big occasion for Maidstone, it played out pretty well for him, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I haven't actually listened to George Ellicobi's interview after the game, but I would imagine the sort of thing he would have said was that he was more happy with that win than in the FA Cup, you know, because the league is the bread and butter. And for them to uh, regroup after beating Ipswich and then go and beat Yeovil uh, in the manner that they did, he'd be really, really pleased with that. Um, two goals within seven first half minutes um, put them in control of the game, really. Mo Fowle, who has signed during January uh, for Maidstone, he got the opener before a goal from Matt Rush. He also signed for Maidstone recently from Braintree Town. Um, and then a goal for, for Yeovil from Dylan Morgan, who also signed <laughs> for uh, Yeovil during January uh, from Taunton Town. 
made it 2-1, but uh, Mesa managed to, to see out the win. And uh, yeah, really good three points for them. Yeah, Mesa, they're up to 50 points for the season now. They sit in fourth place in the National League South. Um, Yeovil's gap is, uh, at the top has been cut to 10 points by Worthing. And uh, talking of players scoring on their debut, we've got quite a few to cover, haven't we? And it would be a miss of me not to shoehorn in a mention of Aldershot Town whenever I possibly could. Um, I think we're going to do it twice, aren't we, with Aldershot Loney scoring. Um, take us away with Worthing, Joe. Yeah, uh, two players from uh, from Aldershot that are on loan in the National League uh, South scored yesterday, but it was uh, Tommy Willard that was on the score sheet for Worthing. Um, I actually think it's a really good move for him in terms of what he needs and what sort of team he wants to play in. Uh, he got the goal in the first half, and then who else? Oli Pierce, 25 for the season now. Uh, he got another two goals uh, to make it a comfortable win on the road. Uh, for Worthing against uh, uh, an Avely side who, you know, they're still in eighth. They're still well-placed to have a shot at, uh, at the playoffs. Um, but uh, it wasn't to be yesterday. They also ended the game with 10 men after Kelly was sent off for a for second bookable offence. But, uh, yeah, a rare clean sheet for, for Worthing as well there. Absolutely. And um, what I don't know, and I don't know if you do, is uh, whereabouts in that team, in that Worthing team, Tommy Willard played because he has been for many years a forward and of course the opportunities, the limited opportunities he's had with Aldershot this season have been in uh, central midfield. Yeah, um, if I had to hazard a guess, having, I haven't seen uh, the game or the report, I would imagine he was quite fluid off the left, I would imagine. Um, Nicky Wheeler's not really had the minutes this season, um, not the weight of minutes that he would have liked um, and that's where I would imagine he fitted into Worthing's team, but um, yeah, I mean that's the benefit of him joining Worthing is that they're very, very fluid uh, in position, that uh, he doesn't really have a position and that's what I think will suit him. Yeah, good stuff. Looking at those other playoff places and playoff chasing teams, Joe, where do you want to go next? Um, let's go to Hampton and Richmond, make it a, a double of shots low knees. Obviously, Hampton and Richmond uh, continued their good season uh, with a, a really hard-fought three points at home against Truro. Uh, they took the lead through uh, Toppy Fadahunzi, signed from Sutton recently. Uh, he was at Torquay United last season in the National League. He got the goal uh, to put Hampton in front uh, before Ollie Bray uh, signed from Willem Rovers, Boulder shot. He's gone out on loan to Truro uh, to get some game time, and he got a goal. Um, and it looked as if it was swinging Truro's way, to be honest. Uh, Rory Donaldson was then sent off uh, for Hampton and Richmond. Um, but Hampton and Richmond, you know, they found a way and uh, they did. Isaac Pitt-Blado, uh, formerly of QPR, he got the winning goal with uh, 12 minutes remaining and um, Mel Gwinnett's beavers uh, beavered away at uh, the game and got three points. They did. Pitt-Blado, what a name that is. You wonder where some of these names originate from, don't you? Uh, quite stunning, that one. We must mention, of course, Chelmsford, who are in third place, but uh, um, they actually came unstuck yesterday, didn't they, uh, at a much improved Harrant and Waterlooville? Yeah, um, it, the Chelmsford did take the lead through Charlie Raff. Um, he's having a brilliant season. 
Um, but as is the way, you know, when you play teams that have more to Louisville, who, yes, they've struggled, but when you've got players like Ryan Seager and James Roberts in their team, they're always going to be a threat and always going to have a chance. And both of those got on the score sheet yesterday. Uh, Seager with the open or the equaliser and, and James Roberts uh, slamming home the winner from the spot. All right, and just to mention briefly, the Haven and Waterlooville, of course, are off the bottom of the National League South now. Dover have plummeted to the bottom. They went down 3-0 at Braintree, Davis, Tompkins and Blair on the score sheet. Um, at the other end, uh, again, uh, going back up to those playoff positions, big game yesterday, Joe, at Plain, Plainmore. Not a lot in terms of points between Torquay and St Albans at the start of play, but uh, I understand... Uh, Plenty of goals, plenty of drama, and most of it negative from Torquay's point of view. Yeah, um, you know, we have to sing the plaudits of St Albans. Um, really have to sing their praises. Brilliant performance from them, certainly offensively. Four goals, four unanswered goals. Um, nice to see Sean Jeffers back on the score sheet. We wondered why he hadn't been perhaps in the score sheet as much. And he wasn't actually played by former manager David Noble. He liked to put him on the bench, but he's now back in the starting lineup and he got two goals uh, and two goals for a player that uh, Dickie would have seen in the National League North from Gio Rezrulo, formerly of Banbury. He's been brilliant, a uh, really good player and he got two lovely finishes. Um, and yeah, disappointing afternoon for Torquay. Um, I do have to give a mention to a player that they signed recently uh, from Taunton Town. It seems like everybody's leaving Taunton at the moment. Uh, Austin Booth, uh, he signed uh, from the Peacocks and it was a really nice story for him because his dad, John uh, Gittins, used to play for Torquay United and he's a Torquay United fan. So uh, nice for him to get his debut, even if it's uh, even if it was a 4-0 defeat. Fair enough. And uh, Joe, I know it's all a little bit delicate at the moment, but we can't move on without mentioning that there were um, some very vociferous um, pr- protestations, if uh, for want of a better word, um, at Playmore after the Torquay game, weren't there? And uh, uh, you, you sent us in our WhatsApp group uh, a clip to a few pictures and, and videos of, uh, of that, and we could see just how vociferous it was. Um, any idea how the dust is settling 24 hours later? Um, not sure. I think it depends on who you ask. You get different stories. Um, I think, obviously, that they, they, there were the protests after the game yesterday and during the game. Uh, the, the same section of fans tried to unveil a, a banner during the game and they uh, got into a, a, a fight with the, the stewards during the game um, who wouldn't let them put it up. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, this week, um, even Gary Johnson said in his post-match interview that uh, this week is when he's going to have to sit down and really have a think about his future and a discussion about the football club. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if we've got something big to talk about on next week's pod. Yeah, immediately after game is always an emotive time. It's It's difficult to make decisions then. And particularly in someone like Gary Johnson's case, because he's not just the manager, I think he's a part owner as well. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know the plans, but I would imagine uh, probably a board meeting on uh, on Monday at some point and, and discussions from there. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on the news out of uh, playing more. The team just nestling into the last place, the final playoff position at the moment are Bath. 
they had uh, a home win. In fact, just about everybody, bar Torquay and uh, Welling, had home wins in the National League South yesterday. Um, they beat a much improved of late Eastbourne Borough uh, and they had to wait and be quite patient for the winning goal. Uh, they did, yeah. Uh, only the one goal. Uh, Ewan Clark, um, quite a nice segment on him, to be honest. He signed from Bristol City. He had been on loan, uh, joined in the summer, was on loan, started the season really well. And he actually fell out of the team due to the form of Jordan Thomas. Um, and Jordan Thomas got a move to Cheltenham Town on deadline day. Um, and so Ewan Clark's back in the team. Um, so Jerry Gill would have been really, really happy to see uh, Clark back in the score sheet. Uh, after uh, Thomas's departure. So, uh, yeah, good win for them. I mentioned just briefly, didn't I, Welling being the only other team not to win at home other than Torquay. Uh, they did, though, get a nil-nil despite having uh, uh, Dominic Odisana sent off in the 71st minute. Of course, it's uh, it's been a dramatic week or so at Welling United as well, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the new manager, Rod Stringer, will be happy with their week. Uh, they actually won on Tuesday night and to get a point with 10 men at home, albeit against a struggling uh, and understrength Taunton team, uh, four points in a week in their situation is uh, much welcomed. Farnborough had lost four on the trot before yesterday, but they came out uh, two one winners against Dartford. Aaron Cool on the score sheet in that one. And there were comfortable home wins, both by two goals to nil for Tunbridge Angels against Chippenham and Slough against Western Supermare. Slough now unbeaten in 16 at home, Joe. And uh, Tunbridge uh, winning 2-0. Uh, Cody Lyons Foster, another ex-shots player on the score sheet. Um, and that's despite uh, going down to 10 men late on with a, a, a double yellow for Tariq Hines. Anything to mention from those two games or should we move on? Uh, to, to talk about the, the game. Yeah. What's that, sorry? Yeah, move on to the uh, seven-goal thriller. Uh, Weymouth, 4-3 uh, win for them. Yep. Uh, four different scorers. Luke will love that one. Um, and uh, it was Malachi Linton who opened the scoring for them. Um, mm. They're actually 2-0 down in this game and they turned it around. 4-3 win. 94th minute winner from former Torquay player uh, Keelan O'Connell. Nice to see him on the score sheet. And um, yeah, really good win for Weymouth who've really improved uh, uh, by virtue of their, their January additions. Yeah, absolutely. All seven goal scorers were different as well. Uh, three for Hemel were two. And uh, a quick glance at the table means that Weymouth now sit 13 points clear of uh, trouble. Uh, now, given the season they had last year, that's definitely a big improvement. And they'll have eyes upwards in the table because they're just six points off of the playoffs. And now one place and just two points behind Hemel Hempstead. OK, we said it was a back-to-front podcast this week. We are going to move on now to the National League. How brief this week, chaps, are we going to keep our mention of Chesterfield? Sorry, Spyrites fans, but it's done. You're 19 points clear, uh, two games in hand. I can't think of anything else to talk about other than they picked up another three points, Joe. Yeah, and uh, it looks like it was a pretty easy one as well. Um, three goals. Uh, Berry got the first. Uh, before two in two minutes at the end, Liam Mandeville and can't keep Will Grigg off the score sheet. He got uh, their third. Uh, by that point, Paul McCallum. Paul McCallum usually gets himself on the score sheet. Well, he got himself on the uh, the video printer yesterday, but it was for being sent off. Uh, he got went off for two yellows. Uh, Maguire managed to add a, a penalty uh, late on to to make it three one, but more than a consolation. 
Uh, no more than a consolation, sorry. Um, the two things I would add on this game is that it was... Uh, I saw a, an interesting tweet after the game from a certain Bradbury uh, Jr. Uh, with a screenshot of Eastley's form in recent months and uh, made the comment that Eastley have sacked managers for less, uh, which I thought was quite apt. Um, but mainly on Chesterfield, I think that they are going to win the league. They're up. Um, I think we know that. It, what I'm interested in now is can they go and break the points record? Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we wouldn't see it again. And yet, they're pretty much on their way to doing that. They certainly are. From uh, from Eastley's point of view, uh, the National League's top scorer, Paul McCallum, has given the likes of Kabamba and Tolaj the opportunity to catch him up a little bit because uh, he got sent off in that one, Joe. Yeah, uh, two bookings for him before the uh, half-time whistle. Um, I don't know what the rule is now with regards to sending off the two yellows. It seems when they just pick and choose when they want to serve their suspension. Um, so I don't know what happens now, but um, he'll be out for a game. Um, so uh, Eastley have got to try and do without him. So then you've got your next little cluster of teams. It's a cluster of two, isn't it? Bromley and Barnet. They've been way off of Chesterfield, but way ahead of the rest of the chasing pack. And uh, for the first time in a while, neither of them won on Saturday, did they? If we just dip back to... Uh, uh, recent form, Bromley, three draws followed by uh, a defeat and then back-to-back back to back defeats as uh, as they went down 2-1 away to Hartlepool. And Dickie, as that's one of the more northern teams, I'll come to you on that one. Uh, terrific win for Kevin Phillips. What a scout because Bromley very, very rarely lose at home, do they? They don't um, because we know Bromley have got... Can we call it the the added advantage of playing on their uh, their artificial surface? Um, something that Harlepool don't have, but that wasn't an issue to Harlepool yesterday. Um, yeah, um, an early goal from Michael Cheek they had to come back from as well. So they're a goal down after just eight minutes, Harlepool. But um, yeah, they dug in, got an equaliser through uh, Manny Disarivway on the in the twenty seventh minute. Um, and then yeah, unfortunately it was an own goal for Kamal Grant from uh, Bromley that uh, gave them the lead on the hour and they held on to take all three points. That is a big result for Kevin Phillips. Uh, they're getting something of a bounce uh, under him. Um, I don't think Hartlepool necessarily have defensively improved greatly, but they are scoring a few more goals. Um, and yeah, that is a, a real surprise uh, given current form going into that one. Yeah, and Lenny Lawrence still there, of course. Uh, Phillips' focus will be on the uh, forwards and the attack, that's for sure. And Lawrence there uh, perhaps uh, will uh, keep an eye on the other aspects of it. But uh, terrific win for them on the road, Hartlepool United. And uh, one of the reasons I never take much notice of live league tables, because if any Barnet fan um, had been looking at live score or whatever, foot mob or whatever app he had as Barnet, were comfortably 1-0 up against Wealdstone, even way into the 90-plus minutes, they were going level on points with Bromley, Joe, Wealdstone. Uh, with Bromley, Joe, but uh, Wealdstone had other ideas, didn't they? Yeah, and and Barnett should have been. Um, Barnett should have won the game. Uh, speaking to uh, to Paul from uh, from Wealdstone, he went to the game. He said that Wealdstone had no right to win that game or even get anything from it. Uh, Barnett had all the chances. Uh, they got themselves in front through Callum Stead, who then missed 
a number of chances uh, for Barnett, which saw uh, Dean Brennan throw him under the bus in the post-match interview, blaming him on the def- on the fact that they didn't get the win. Um, and then Barnett had a penalty, Harry Pritchard, uh, and he missed his penalty. Brilliant save from Marcus Dewhurst, who uh, had the, the bottle to stand tall and not dive, and it went straight down the middle. Um, and then the ultimate sucker punch for Barnett in that they conceded in the 99th minute, Corey Andrews, um, it's been a while since he's been on a, a score sheet, but uh, he picked a time to do it, certainly uh, in a derby against one of uh, one of the top teams. So, yeah, a useful point on the road for Wildstone, one that they shouldn't really have got, and uh, a very, very unhappy Dean Brennan in his interview afterwards. Absolutely. And uh, the next game we're going to feature, uh, two sides in the playoffs it's on Saturday, and uh, it was Solihull Moors. Um, at home to Altrincham, who have really started to pick up some consistency of late. We've had our question marks about Solihull, but they have been in the playoff positions all season. They are fading a little bit, though. And uh, what won't help, of course, is the uh, the loss of, of Josh Kelly in the week, getting a move to AFC Wimbledon. Um, a frustrating one for Andy Wing, who... Came out afterwards, fronted up and said he was really, really pleased with Solihull Moore's performance. But uh, but Dickie, it was Altrincham who prevailed. The masters of the 1-0 win on this occasion. Uh, and the man who recently signed an extended contract, or rather who joined uh, permanently, having been on loan, Alex Newby, uh, got the goal. He did. Um, Alex Newby's been at Colchester United, who I think, uh, given their league position in League Two, um, aren't completely out of danger of <laughs> dropping into the National League next season. So you can almost see why the move to Walteringham would appeal to Alex New because he's certainly swapped a club that appears to be heading in one direction for a club that's moving very definitely in the opposite direction. Um, yeah, another really, really impressive result from Phil Parkinson's side there, proving that perhaps uh, there is more than one Phil Parkinson, despite what Wrexham fans claim. Um, and yeah, to be fourth in the table at this stage of the season, 29 games played, 49 points on the board. Um, you know, I, I think Altrincham, if they didn't finish in a playoff place now, would be very, very disappointed that they've fallen away. We'd spoken about the fact that in each of the last three seasons, I think they'd improved their finishing position by one. I think they finished something like 16th, then 15th, then 14th. I don't think there's any danger of them improving their finishing position by just one position this year. I think they're going to go much, much better than that. And I can see them being in those playoff places. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be it'd be difficult to uh, to just dismiss them at the minute. They seem to they seem to have a little bit of everything, uh, and then a little bit of that Chris Con Clark dust uh, stardust sprinkled on top, and uh, and he's still there, Joe. And you know what? If there was one player in the National League this season that has to be destined uh, for greater things, um, well, we, there might be two actually. We'll talk about another one in a minute, but. Um, you know, as far as Altrincham are concerned, um, then uh, what a coup that is for Altrincham that they've kept him. Yeah, um, you would imagine that there would have been some interest in him during the window, um, even though he only signed in the summer. Brilliant player, been in brilliant form uh, this year. Um, but yeah, I, the fact he stayed perhaps speaks volumes of, of Altrincham's ambition, but more so that he's got, you know, an intelligent head on those shoulders in that, you know, he's doing well at Altrincham, no need to move on. You know, he's only a young player, 
doing really well. And um, yeah, Altingham's gaining of all the teams in the playoffs at the moment. They'd be my pick to uh, to go and win them. Now, yesterday I watched and commentated on the team in seventh place that visited the team in tenth. Halifax had uh, uh, a pretty bizarre record of late. They were unbeaten in six at home, but hadn't won in five. So that tells you all you need to know. They they drawn five games on the trot. I uh, had uh, Luke Walsh of the Luke Walsh Walsh uh, Football Podcast alongside me, and uh, Luke uh, had an excellent uh, BBC Surrey commentary debut. Called it as it was. Um, not really his fault that when we previewed the game before, I said, right, Luke, it's the league's third top scorers here, uh, Aldershot Town, against the second best defence. How do you think he's going to play out? Luke, of course, quite rightly said, well, I think Halifax will keep it tight in the first half and maybe be a bit more adventurous in the second. Um, couldn't have been more wrong. Halifax on the front foot, slightly different formation, taking it to Aldershot in the first half, and to be perfectly honest, could have been more than 1-0 up. Cracking strike for the goal from Max Wright. Uh, just after, funnily enough, he'd had to go off uh, for a head injury and he'd got the old Terry Butcher headband on and a, and a numberless shirt as he let fly from the edge of the area with a shot that got a very, very slight deflection but left Jordi Van Stappershoef no chance. Halifax led 1-0 at the break. There was a Lively atmosphere in the ground, but it was killed dead three minutes into the second half when there were only 192 people cheering. That was the Shots fans who saw Lauren Tollage's 20th goal of a prolific season. Um, Tollage had been the the subject of a lot of speculation um, throughout January, Joe. It looked as if uh, there had to be interest in him, Um, but... uh, it was revealed after the game by Tommy Widrington that he'd, uh, a, a clause had been triggered in his contract that meant that he's here for next season as well. Um, that's going to up the asking price. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can't uh, you can't have missed his uh, his form this season. Been brilliant for for Oldershot, and I think you actually mentioned this a couple of weeks back. Uh, or certainly a week ago when, when Josh Stokes got his move, that if Bristol City had been really clever, that they'd have got Josh Stokes and Laurent Tollage. You know, the Laurent, it's no surprise that Laurent Tollage's best form in his career has come working alongside, um, on the one hand, Tommy Widgeton, but also playing alongside Josh Stokes. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, really positive news. Uh, it looks that uh, his future is uh, an older shot until the end of next season, at least on paper. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget that Kwame Thomas came off the bench to score his second goal in two and seal all three points for the shots who uh, move up to fifth place without a shadow of a doubt and without me needing to check. That's the highest they've been uh, for, for, for several years, let alone this season in the National League. But all the attention was on the Swiss striker, Laurent Tollage. A smashing, smashing guy, um, and I caught up with him after the game. This is a very rare moment for Aldershot Town. I'm about to interview a striker that scored 20 goals for Aldershot Town Football Club for the first time, I believe, since Brett Williams quite a few years ago. Lauren Tollage, congratulations on the 20th goal, which played a part in a key three points for the shots this afternoon. Yeah, I'm happy to score my 20th. To be fair, it was a tough game, tough game, but... The most important, it was the three points and uh, to stay in the playoff. 
So that's what we did today to win the game. And I'm happy to contribute with the goal and to help the team to stay in the playoff. Yeah, uh, it's a challenging first half. Halifax perhaps started with the greater momentum and went one goal up in the game. But uh, although perhaps the shots weren't at their absolute best in the first half, there were little snapshot chances and you, you had sort of two or three yourself, didn't you? It just wasn't going in in the first half. Yeah, I had like a, <clears throat> a few chances and to be fair, I was a bit unlucky and probably in another day I will score a, f- a few more today. But uh, sometimes... Um, you need a bit of luck also, um, but I scored in the second half and came back to one-one and Kwame scored the second. And sometimes that's all you need, like two-one. And and uh, yeah, that was a tough game. We probably didn't play our best football today, but uh, we don't really need every day, like every game, to play our best football to win games. Absolutely. Um... A lot of Aldershot Town fans were a little bit nervous coming towards the end of the EFL transfer window. Would you stay? Would you be here for the rest of the season? They'd have been delighted to to hear that you are still with the club and it's a club that you're really enjoying your time at, aren't you? Yeah, <clears throat> I choose to stay because I'm happy here. I'm happy with my teammates, with the staff, with the fans. They're great and I just want to finish the season here and because I'm happy here and I just wanted to keep scoring goals and to help the team to go as far as we can in the league. Now your goal was vital today because it got the shots level but I'm sure you'll be really delighted for your strike partner Kwame Thomas who scored in the week and today he came on and got the winner. Yeah, I'm really glad like he scored again today. Uh, I think he deserves, he's been hard time or so like, because he hasn't started uh, a lot of games this season but He's uh, like a top player and I think every time he comes on, he creates something, he does something uh, in the team and t- today again, like he scored the winner and I'm really glad for him. And uh, just funny, looking at the league table, Ulrich have gone to fifth. I think it's the highest that they've reached so far this season. A long way to go, I still think 15 or 16 games. Um, but there's no reason at all with the momentum that you're building that you can't still keep looking up, still trying to creep up a place or two because every position counts, right? Yeah, every position counts. Uh, yeah, still a lot of games. Every game is uh, final for us. So the next game is against Fard and we've got a week to to rest and uh, to prepare the game. And game by game, I think uh, at the end, we'll, I think we'll be in the playoff and... That's why we're trying to to do. That was Laurent Tollage and he and the other Shots players uh, have a, a little break ahead of them now. Uh, Laurent was hoping to be able to pop back to Switzerland to see some family. So we wish him well. And uh, um, yeah, as for Halifax, um, it's a tough one. Uh, they kind of impressed me quite a bit in the first half. But in Aidan George... Um, yes, he looked lively, but he had three chances in the first half. And I felt for that guy a little bit, um, Joe, because he was uh, he was actually given the man of the match by the Halifax, uh, well, whoever picked it, the sponsors, I guess. And uh, it's one of those awkward, slightly embarrassing ones because he wouldn't have wanted to get it because they lost. And he wouldn't have wanted to get it because as much as he might have been impressive, he had three chances and he didn't score. Yeah, um, obviously signed for, for Halifax recently from Russia Olympic. Um, and um, yeah, he's uh, for Halifax. He's not the sort of person that's going to lead the line for you. Um, he's a very good extra. Um, impressed at, at Russell, formerly of Birmingham. 
Um, but he's not the finished article yet. I mean, he's only in his early 20s. So you expect that he's going to be wasteful uh, in front of goal. Um, and I think that's the, the the task for Halifax is that they don't have that person that's going to lead the line for them. But they've got four or five really good players who can play off a big man. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, um, it, he'll get there, no doubt. Um, Chris Millington's developed a lot of good players during his time at Halifax. So uh, no doubt that uh, it will click eventually. And uh, just thinking, Dickie, I, I should have probably come to you on uh, Aidan George. But then I was following up with a second thought, which is that he plays for Russell Olympic, who are in the National League North this season, but weren't last. So you probably haven't seen him, have you? Um, no, he actually started the season at, at step three. Um, I think it might possibly have been with Alverchurch. Um, and then Alverchurch, the team where uh, Danny Waldron, who's gone to Southend now, um, uh, had impressed last season. They do have a very good reputation for um, developing young talents, you know, players who've perhaps um, been released by the likes of Birmingham City and the and and the clubs in the, the in the Midlands region. Um, so no, I know very little about him. I don't think I actually saw him uh, for Alverchurch. I think he already gone by that point. But he's gone from step three to step two to step one in the space of a matter of months. So um, Joe makes a, a good point there. I think you know there will be some learning curve there for him. Um, but again, uh, Chris Millington surely knows what he was looking at when he's been inside him. So it'll be interesting to see, see how he develops. Another battle between uh, two of the uh, sides in, 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 in better form generally in the Nas- National League, uh, having good season. Gateshead travelled down to Southend um, and they got it done with a, with a uh, second half goal from Marcus Dinanga. And uh, one or two eyebrows raised really because we've got that bizarre situation now, Joe, haven't we, where finally... Um, Southend have come through that horrible, horrible tunnel they were in for so long and, and battling away and achieving so well. Now that the transfer embargo has been lifted, that they've been able to sign players on extended contracts and bring a few more in, you kind of naturally think there'll be an uplift, but there hasn't, has there? And, uh, you know, that would have been a bit of a morale-busting defeat, 1-0 without even scoring at home at Roots Hall yesterday. Yeah, I think obviously with the the takeover and the change in ownership um, and the fact that they have been able to add, it's a change of dynamic now. You know, when they had the uh, the problems looming over them, they sort of use it as a them v us. You know, every, they, everybody wanted to, uh, you know, give them sympathy for their situation and, and they almost use that to galvanise them. Now that they've got all those problems gone away, it's like, well, we're gone then. You've got to win now. Um, and I think that's going to be a, um, an interesting uh, thing to observe over the next couple of weeks and in the, the remainder of the season is can this group now elevate their their game and their level to what they, they should be? Um, so, yeah, interesting to see, but a, a really good win for Gateshead. And a point from you, Dickie, on that one? Yeah, it is an interesting conundrum. Um and I suppose if you think about it, when, when Southend were under an embargo and couldn't sign anybody else, those players that they had got pretty much knew they were going to be playing every week because they were the only players that they'd got. That isn't quite the case now. You know, they have got some freedom to um, look at bringing new faces in, etc. Um, 
so again, there, there are a lot of, uh, it, I think it was a very either or the, the way people were looking at this and thinking that once freed of, of all that, that financial issues, that they would just be free to fly as it were. Um, but it's a little bit like that being rich doesn't give you uh, any fewer problems. It just gives you different problems. Um, and that's what Southend are going to have to come up against now and find a way through. I wouldn't, that's not me saying South End are rich, by the way, but that was just a comparison that's saying, you know, if you win the pools, it doesn't make all your problems go away. You know, you, you've still got things that make you cry, but um, it's nicer to cry in a Bentley, as they say, isn't it, rather than in your own kitchen. <laughs> Different set of challenges uh, for Kevin Mayer, uh, John Still, etc. at South End. Now, um, they actually find themselves in 17th place. I I've just had to double check that and refresh my browser. I didn't realise that they dropped to within two points of the relegation zone um, until two or three weeks ago. I still had them as a bit of a dark horse, a bit of an outside bet to push for the playoffs, but that might well beyond, be beyond them now. They're 12 points off it. Um, so Gateshead are in seventh. Oldham are in eighth, but on the same number of points as Gateshead. And for them, it was an opportunity missed. They went to Ebbsfleet. Uh, in the bottom four, the TNT cameras turned up. And from the outside, looking in without having watched the match, Joe, I'm wondering if that was a damp squib. You watched it, so tell us more. Yeah, I watched it, and it very much was a damp squib. Uh, it was a terrible game for the neutral, uh, as I was, um, and a really poor one if you're of an olden persuasion. Um, Danny Searle obviously taking charge, uh, interim charge for Ebbsfleet for the first time. Uh, one that you know, Rob, from his time at Aldershot. Um, he'll be happy uh, to keep uh, Oldham to a 0-0 draw. Um, not many clean sheets for Ebbsfleet this season, so that'll be a bonus. For Oldham, a really disappointing day, actually, because they saw James Norwood hobble off with a hamstring injury. Um, so for all of the players that they've added, they've then gone and lost one, Dickie. Yes, they have. Um, I think much was made um, when they did make those moves. Joe Garner coming in. Uh, to their squad of of the depth of the forward line and that surely it's not easy to you know you're not going to be able to keep all of those happy I know Joe Nuttall's gone out to, to Cheltenham Town so they have managed to get one out the door um, when they've got one in but again you get an injury to a, a player like Norwood who you'd think is despite the strength that they've got there you think Norwood is pretty much an automatic first choice um, and it shows you that you know you do need some depth I don't know whether they necessarily need seven Um I did see some of that game yesterday, and I suppose the, the the bit that disappointed me from an Oldham perspective was I didn't see an awful lot of that Oldham forward line. Given the riches they've got, it did seem to be Ebbsfleet late on in the game who were the team that were looking to try and win it, although not particularly convincingly. Joe? Yeah, the, the point I would add on that is that, um, you know, I, I made the point in the week that they've now got lots of good forwards, you know, Garner, Dallas, Norwood, um, even Fondop can have his day. Um, but Oldham fans are quick to say, well, you know, we've got them, but we've not got anything else. Um, and certainly yesterday it looked as if they have not got a midfield. You know, no creativity when they've got the ball, they don't know where to pass it. You know, that Oldham would be disappointed They've got the forwards, they've got the firepower that should get them up, and yet they cannot create any chances. Um, because you'd imagine if they do create chances, they'd put them away. Um, so that's the the big conundrum for for Mike Mellon to to sort out. I, w- I will say I, d- I did like what Oldham did with the signing of Garner in midweek, and they had a message from their chairman 
um frank who we know is roaming the atlantic he's not too far away from finishing now um but said you know it's nearly deadline day lads go and make a signing and make an exciting one well you know Ghana did excite a lot of people but it's a really valid point you make there that you've got to have a supply line to those players as well they can't do it all on their own they can't and i didn't want i I, I didn't intend for oldham to um have so much of our time and attention today but i want to add another point and that is i i listened to uh, one of their podcast the boundary park alert system um over the last uh, week or so and they were patting themselves on the back really saying we've we've smashed it now we've bought in condom we've bought in a right back um we're in good form um yes it's great we're in the playoffs but we think we can push hard for Bromley and Barnet now and catch them and since then two goalless games and just one point so it's a it's the perfect sign of how football can slap you in the face uh, just when you least expect it. Um, I don't doubt that Oldham will still continue to uh, push strongly for a place in the playoffs. Um, let's just see how well they do over the remaining months. Now, I wasn't expecting this, chaps, but there's actually a gap of five points then um, to the next team. Um, it's kind of opened up from nowhere, hasn't it? Uh, there's certainly teams probably down to 12. Wheelstone will consider themselves still with three games in hand in the playoff race. But uh, uh, Rochdale come next, and uh, uh, they fluffed their lines, didn't they? At home to Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, what a difference Ineafiong has made coming back. Um, and i tell you what, he may have had a late start, Joe, but uh, he's into double figures now and flying again. Yeah, um, obviously Ben Stones would be delighted to have him back. Uh, not many better forwards in uh, the National League than Ineafiong. Um, and, you know, I think from all the football that I've watched over the years in the National League, I think if you can have a nailed on target man that leads the line for you, you're almost halfway there. And in the Fiong, they've got one of the best. So, yeah, really good win for them on the road. Um, and surely if you were a punter yesterday and said that both teams would have scored, you'd have put your money on Tyree Sinclair, get them on for Rochdale. Uh, he got the consolation in between Fiong's uh, two goals. And, um, yeah, looking uh, certainly given the criticism of, of Strevens earlier in the season from Dagenham fans, it's uh, looking a little bit more positive. The fact that they've gone away on the road to Solihull and to Rochdale this week and got four points. Yep. Woking find themselves in 23rd position. What a fall from grace. Fourth last season. And Michael Doyle trying to build on the momentum of that 1-0 win at Oldham last week. Uh, they're at home to Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood have uh, Unlove sent off. Um, but it made no difference. Woking couldn't come back. They couldn't score in front of their own fans. They've picked up a ridiculous three points out of 33 at home. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, just as you thought that they were kind of out of trouble, they sink deeper into it. Um, and uh, a terrific, gutsy response, uh, Joe, from Boreham Wood, having lost their last game at home, 3-0 against uh, Dorkin and drawn the previous one for all. That's uh, quite a response from Luke Garrard's man. Yeah, one thing that you're always going to get with the Boreham Wood side under Luke Garrard is guts and guile and you know, to go away and, and win one nil. That's almost like a, a stereotypical Luke Garrard performance. Um, obviously he managed to uh, work his contacts, uh, during the week and get a couple of signings. 
Um, he lost one in Josh Staunton. Um, he's now gone to uh, to Paul Town uh, as he goes part time. Uh, but they did bring back uh, Kabongo Shimanga. Uh, that would be really positive for him. Um, just a point on Woken. I said this a month or so ago when Michael Doyle was brought in. I was really concerned the fact that they were changing their style from Darren Soul to Michael Doyle, changing to three at the back. And you don't do that when you're already struggling. Um, and I, the alarm bells are there for me. We're woken, and if I was to pick anyone, I would say that uh, that they will go down. I'm just not convinced. We're woken. Um, haven't been convinced of Michael Dore so so far, and um, yeah, disappointing. Well, the two big success stories right now at the bottom end are Fylde and Kidderminster. Kidderminster had won three straight games under Phil Brown, uh, Dicky, but. Uh, at one point, relatively early on uh, on uh, Saturday, it looked like that was all going to unravel, wasn't it? Um, playing against Oxford City in the relegation battle with them. But uh, there was a big old turnaround in that one. There was. Uh, when I saw Kidderminster a couple of weeks ago, they came from uh, behind from a two-goal deficit against your own side, Rob, against Aldershot to come back and win that one. And they, they managed to turn that trick again yesterday. I wouldn't think it's something that Phil Brown... Um, would want to see them from them too often. How much of it you saw yesterday, I'm not sure, because I noted that Phil Brown was actually given a red card um, on the bench in the first half of this game as well. They were 2-0 down at half-time, two goals from uh, Josh Parker in the 17th minute and then a penalty in the 43rd. I think um, Brown was dismissed from the bench sometime in between that. Um, so, yeah, they were looking down the barrel at that point. He wasn't in there to give them a half-time team talk. One wouldn't have thought so anyway. He should be sat in the stand. Um, but, yeah, they recovered. Um, and Amari Morgan-Smith's been a really important player for them these last few weeks. Um, he netted in the 57th minute. Um, Jack Lambert, at then, he joined him from Darlington in the summer. Um, he got a goal in the 74th minute to level it. And again, as he did against your own team, Rob Gold Omateo coming off the bench, netted the all-important third goal to put them 3-2 up, and they went on to claim that one. I mean, terrific for Kidderminster. They, they, defensively, they've been fairly sound all season, but haven't been scoring. It looks as if they've understood that they're going to have to take a few more risks if they're going to get maximum points out of these. So, yes, they've conceded two yesterday, but it's all about the points that they get from that one. You know, scoring three, conceding two, taking three points, they'll take the three points. And that's a fourth win in succession under Brown. A, 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 the big, Almost one of the biggest cases of new manager bounce that I've seen in a long time. Um, and yeah, Kidderminster giving themselves a fighting chance of getting out of trouble now. Yeah, they certainly have. 12 points from 12. They're right on the edge now of, uh, uh, of the bottom four. Still just in it and out of it now are AFC filed. What a win for them down at uh, much improved Dorking on Saturday. I've seen the highlights of this one and I've seen the miss of the season from uh, Charlie Carter. Uh, a really impressive first half an hour from Dorking. He had the golden opportunity to put them ahead, but somehow blazed over from no more than uh, six yards. Uh, it didn't go in. Jonathan Ustabasi made them pay. And what, a, what an impressive player he is, Joe. I loved his footwork for the second goal as well. He got the uh, two goals just before half time, and uh, Barrett, Connor Barrett, uh, sealed the, uh, the the win late on Briggs for the late consolation. Yeah, um, Easterbassy. They're now seeing the the player that they signed in the summer 
Um, hard lines for Charlie Carter. Obviously, he's not had it uh, really good since he's gone to Dawkins, broke his arm and waited a while and, uh, as you say, missed a glorious chance yesterday. Just the one game left to cover in the National League on Saturday. Uh, York City, who haven't quite managed to pull away from the danger zone. Um, they did get themselves a point. I'm not sure how pleased they'll be with that, but uh, one all in the end. Ashley, Nathaniel, George putting Maidenhead United ahead. Uh, Will Davies pulling one back. Both goals coming in the opening half hour. Um, any uh, any comment on that game or either side, Joe? Um, no, um, other than that um, York will obviously be disappointed that they didn't win that. Um, they'll be pleased to get a point from it, obviously coming from behind. But if they are going to pull themselves away from the drop zone, those are the games they really need to, to win. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, it's... Um, Neil Ardley seems to have made progress at York, but not actually moved any further away from the drop zone. Um, so, yeah, still work to do. Yeah, just looking at that then, Oxford City, Woking, Ebsfleet and Kidderminster Harriers make up the bottom four. Filed outside of it just on goal difference, but uh, unbeaten in, in the last five uh, with four wins out of those. And then Dorking Wanderers, who lose one win, one lose one win, one. Ultimately, that will be enough, I'm sure, to keep them up come the end of the season. But they are only two points clear of trouble, as are York, as are Southend. Uh, and Maidenhead on 36, just the four points clear. Uh, Boreham Wood will be delighted and Dagenham to have got themselves three precious points that just give them a little bit of breathing space. And above them, Eastley, well, they're dropping like a stone just now, but... Uh, uh, no wins in five for them. And uh, they'll be looking over their shoulder just now rather than uh, still being quite as ambitious about those playoff places. All right, at this point, uh, chaps, we always have a look ahead to midweek. Um, just before we do so, Joe, uh, I know we've been looking at and, and, and focusing on a lot of the incomings and outgoings from the National League. Anybody else that you uh, wanted to mention? Yeah, um, two um, deals that uh, took me by surprise, actually, in the week. Um, one was that Luke Freeman, um, really experienced uh, EFL midfielder, has joined Barnet. Um, I know Dean Brennan keeps saying that he's not got a lot of money at Barnet, um, and I'm starting to lose uh, patience with that argument. Um, and the other one that uh, caught me uh, by surprise was that Deji Elleroy, um has gone back to Bromley, but has gone so on a permanent deal. Um, obviously Bromley got some money for Ben Crowhouse who moved on to Brentford uh, at the end of the window and it looks as if they're reinvesting that money really nicely uh, bought in him and uh, and also Ashley Charles has joined on a permanent from Wildstone so um, yeah looks like they're reinvesting their money wisely Yeah absolutely Dickie uh, just looking on at all the incomings and outgoings uh, across the three leagues um, we've covered most of them, of course, haven't we, uh, on this pod today. But uh, any others that you wanted to mention from any of the divisions? Um, I, no, I think we've pretty much covered them all. But I, I suppose, once again, I touch on that thing. It's it's great to see um, as many players making the jump from the National League into the, you know EFL 1, EFL 2 divisions. I think it's a recognition of the fact that, you know, that, that, the standard in this division now is 
um, sufficiently comparable that, that teams feel that they they they're not taking so much of a risk by taking players from from non-league football as it used to be because you know when you've got full-time professional clubs at the top level in the national league they're already used to that 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 kind of way of being and that being a footballer you know seven days a week um and it isn't so much of a risk for them so yeah just going to look out for and enjoy seeing how some of those players uh, make out in the high divisions yeah and joe i know we did the south a little bit earlier but one or two uh, moves uh, involving national league south clubs as well yeah, two really that stick out for me. Uh, one was that Yeovil managed to uh, sign Sam Pearson on a permanent deal uh, during January. Uh, he's an EFL player, was at there uh, with them last season. Um, so for, the, for them to get him uh, back on a permanent deal in the National League South is huge. Um, and perhaps the biggest deal is uh, George Alexander seems to be on the score sheet every week and he's actually left uh, Dartford, I believe, and has joined on a permanent deal uh, to Chelmsford. Um, I wasn't sure with the, the ruling now as to how many teams you can play for in a season because he's already played for two, but it looks as if the, the rule is three. And uh, yeah, he's signed for, for Chelmsford. So really good uh, signing there. For some reason, uh, he's not seemed to have had the opportunities at Bromley that he might have done. Yeah, um, I, I am surprised because he's a really good player and he seems to score. Um, whereas they've, you know, the likes of Ben Crowhouse and, and Kellen Fisher, both of who have moved on to the EFL, doing so after a good loan spell with Cray Wanderers. George Alexander's gone out, proven himself on loan and has never got a chance uh, by Andy Woodman. So, um, yeah, interesting one. But, uh, yeah, we wish him well and uh, great, great signing for, for Chelmsford. All right, then, looking ahead to the fixtures in midweek, um, an awful lot of games that were postponed have been rearranged for Tuesday. Uh, half of the uh, sides in the National League will have games. Altering them at home to Dorking, that's a long midweek trip to uh, to, to uh, Altrincham for, for, for Mark White's men. Dagenham and Redbridge will be the latest side to take on the seemingly invincible Chesterfield. FC Halifax Town and Solihull Moors, both of whom fluffed their lines at the weekend, will have a chance to respond. Uh, Gateshead will have a visit from Eastleigh. And uh, Gateshead creeping into a bit of form. Eastleigh, desperate to uh, stem a pretty poor run at the moment. There'll be uh, um, a Wealdstone against Maidenhead United as well. Uh, Wealdstone playing one of three games they've got in hand on most of the other teams after struggling to get games on at Grosvenor Vale this season. And then finally, Woking against Oxford City. And another chance for Woking to try and bring an end to that wretched home form. Dickie, coming to you and the National League North. What have we got ahead of us this midweek? Yeah, we've got um, Scunthorpe. Um, they'll be making a visit to Blythe for a rearranged fixture. Um, that's one of Scunthorpe's two games in hand, so they'll be looking to take advantage of that and to close the gap on Tamworth above them. So that's one to keep your eye on. Um, at the other end of the table, um, we've got Southport against Spennymoor. We've got two teams. I, 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 dare, I hesitate to use the word desperate, but it's going to be desperate for them soon. I think they're, they're, they will both be 
exceedingly eager to collect three points from that game to to just give themselves um you know a little bit of a springboard away from the the bottom of the table which is where they've both gravitated towards uh Chorley host Gloucester which he would tend to think with Gloucester's away record even though they have big you know won away from home recently you would tend to think that looks like a Chorley win Curzon Ashton host Alfreton that's a um maybe not so much riding on that one but Curzon Ashton be looking to cement their place in the playoffs Alfreton looking to to close the gap on it uh, and Peterborough Sports against Chester um, is again another interesting one Chester going away from home to uh, a place that I don't think that many teams enjoy going to Peterborough Sports uh, it's not that it's not a nice welcome when you get there um, but they're in good form at the moment sports are and uh, I think they'll make it difficult for Chester there yeah they're not having the difficult second season we thought they might they're uh, relatively comfortable in mid-table at the moment uh Tremendous work there from Michael Gash. Uh, Joe, um, National League South, much action in the week. And are you going to a game? Um, I'm not, unfortunately. Um, I should have been going to watch Yeovil last week, but that didn't materialise. Just the four games in the National League South. Um, A tasty clash at uh, Hampton and Richmond. They've got St Albans, uh, two sides uh, in and around the playoffs. Um, after Maidstone's uh, two really tough games in the last week or so against Ipswich and Yeovil, they've got a really easy game. They're at home to Torquay. Um, and um, another game that uh, of interest is that um, Taunton Town hosts Truro. Well, Truro will be away from home in that game, but they'll actually be playing at home um, because I'm led to believe that Truro are going to play their home games at Taunton for the remainder of the season. Um, so that'll be uh, an interesting one. Um, it's the battle of the uh, poor pitches. Um, see if that one uh, is on. And uh, also Western Supermare face uh, Chippenham. Great stuff. Thorough roundup as always, chaps. Um, thank you listeners for joining us. Uh, we will get this uh, podcast out generally on a Sunday evening. Sometime it is uh, a Monday morning. You may not, though, see a tweet until lunchtime on Monday. So if you want the podcast straight to your inbox, as soon as our editor, Luke Edwards, has uh, finished his edit, then uh, subscribe and uh, you shall get it a little bit earlier. Um, Dickie, thanks uh, for joining us ever. Have Have a good footballing week. Thank you very much indeed. I'm off to a Southern Central game on Tuesday evening. A, a trip to your neck of the woods, Royston, which I found out is not in Cambridgeshire, but is in Hertfordshire. So, uh, yeah, I'll be down towards you, Rob, but uh, we'll not even ships that pass in the night, I don't think. Yeah, it's uh, not in Cambridgeshire, but it is only about 35 minutes from my house. So I'll have a look at the schedule, Dickie, and you never know, I might come and do what you did for me the other week and... Uh, Come and look on as uh, your team uh, are involved. Um, And uh, Joe, you said that uh, you're not going to a game yourself, but have a great week anyway. Yeah, cheers, Rob. Thanks for having me on again. That's it, listeners. Play the theme tune, Luke.